Welcome to Covenant Conversations, episode number three. Today, your hosts, Peter Washkowitz in New York and I, Shweta Rao in London, will speak about the state of covenants in the new slate of post-corona high yield bonds and how companies are getting around their maintenance covenants. Hey, Peter, so you you had a busy past two weeks in uh, the primary high yield world across the pond. Tell me more. Yeah. Uh, hey, Shweta. Uh, so uh, two weeks ago, um, Carnival Cruise Lines came to uh, came to market uh, with um, with 2023 first lien secured notes. They had originally wanted to issue three billion of the notes, but it ended up it was upsized to four billion uh, and they priced somewhere around the 11 percent range. Um, since then, there have been about 10 high yield issuers that have all come to market Um and and yeah, um, I think all of the maybe feral gas was uh, next day pricing. But besides feral gas, all of these notes uh, came to market and priced the same day. So it doesn't seem like at least, you know, these issuers had many problems, um, you know, selling new debt issuances. So the volatility of March has not impeded in a very significant way these issuers coming to market. However, the question is what has changed in these new issues um, now that they've come in the post-corona phase? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, a a lot of these companies had actually issued notes um, towards the end of last year as well. So, um, you know, it was an easy exercise to kind of run black lines and see what had changed. And you know, our team was was pretty excited because, you know, it was the first time we were going to be able to see kind of the impact of the coronavirus on, on any covenants. Unfortunately, we were all pretty disappointed. Um, without fail, none of the none of the uh, OMs um, had any changes in the, you know, in the covenants or in any of the definitions, including, you know, we thought maybe some of these um, some of these issuers were, would try to throw in some additional EBITDA addbacks for losses related to coronavirus, but we didn't see any of that. And yeah, I mean, there really were no changes to any of the negative covenants, you know, in terms of capacity or any kind of reduction in that capacity. Um, so yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was surprising how many, how many issuers came to market, um, but it was more surprising how there were so few changes in, in, uh, in the covenant packages. Right. And did they make any additional disclosure with regard to the impact coronavirus would possibly have on their businesses? Yeah, they, they all had uh, similar, you know, new additional risk factors for uh, risks posed to their business, posed to their ability to comply with maintenance covenants and their bank debt, um, all related to coronavirus. They also had um, some paragraphs in the front of the OMs, you know, when they were talking about when they discussed their business about the impact of the coronavirus and kind of what measures they are taking to either extend liquidity or to, you know, close up shops, furlough employees, what have you. Um, But those were those were pretty much the only uh, actual changes in the OMs. Right. And are they issuers which have um, a slightly stronger credit rating than say other issuers is 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 there a specific reason you can think of why these ones came to market um and managed to get away with issuances of the size they yeah well i i I mean i I don't think there was you know these were all these are all kind of some of them are you know serial issuers i mean there was transdime there was yum brands there was tenant healthcare i will say that it's not like they kind of got away with it. You know, let's take Yum Brands. Um, last year in, at the, in the middle of September, they issued uh, $800 million of uh, senior unsecured notes. 
Um, they were 11 year, uh, 11 year senior notes, uh, and those priced at four and three quarters. Uh, so when the when Young Brands came to market on March 30th, they priced a uh, 600 million of five year unsecured notes at seven percent. So you know two and a quarter percent higher coupon. Um, and, and you can kind of run down the gamut of all of these issuers. Um, you know, take like NCR. Last year they issued eight year notes at five and three quarters. Um, last week they priced five year notes at, uh, you know, 8.125%. So, um, they're all paying up to issue the notes. Um, although they are not kind of, they have not conceded on capacities, but they are certainly paying to be issuing in this volatility. Right. So the, they're shorter tenor notes and they're much more expensive for an issuer. Yep. to access um, the market right now. But from a covenant perspective, there's not much of a difference. There is not, no. Is where we are um, with respect to this sort of brave slate of new issuers that have uh, effectively opened the high yield market after it shut down uh, last month. And it'll be interesting yeah. to see if that is also the trend when the European high yield market opens, which it hasn't as yet. Yeah, I mean, I will say that. So, you know, in, just in terms of use of proceeds, you know, we're so used to seeing, uh, you know, debt being issued to refinance other debt. Um, most of these companies, uh, barrel gas may be the uh, the one exception. Uh, all of these companies came to market to issue to issue debt uh, to shore up liquidity. So, you know, overall debt amounts for all of these companies did increase, um, which is, you know, not uncommon, but given, I'd say, you know, at least 80% of the issuances in the U.S. market are, are refinancings where kind of outstanding debt capacity pre and pro forma don't change. Here, right. um, all outstanding debt capacities, uh, all outstanding debt amounts did increase. Right. And um, that, that would then lead on to the question of when the overall debt does increase, that possibly could impact any maintenance financial covenants you have in your overall capital structure, say, for instance, if you had a credit facility which had a maintenance covenant, and then how you would get around that maintenance covenant if you were incurring further debt. Have you seen anything in that um, area? Yeah. So, you know, uh, so a lot of these companies uh, do have bank debt. And, um, you know, I, I first thought, well, you know, a lot of these probably allow all cash netting. So, yes, they're issuing debt, but you can net the cash. So net net, it's 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 the same. But, um, you know, obviously, a lot of these companies, EBITDA is probably going to be significantly less than than it was in you know last quarter last year. So, um, yeah, a lot of them are probably going to have problems with the with their compliance. You know, we just ended Q1 last year, uh, last month, uh, last week, I'm sorry. And uh, so actually today even, um, Cinemark came to market uh, with the new notes. And in them, uh, they had said that uh, in connection with the issuance of the notes, they were seeking to get an amendment to their credit agreement. And they were they said they were pretty confident, um, you know, lenders would agree to it. And the amendment is going to waive their um, requirement to comply with the maintenance covenant for the next two quarters um, and then, you know, it just starts back up again in the fourth quarter. Um, similarly, um, Live Nation um, disclosed this morning that they had reached an agreement with their lenders uh, not only to waive the maintenance covenants for the next two quarters, but then starting in the fourth quarter. And this is this is very strange. Starting in the fourth quarter, their LTM EBITDA would be using um, two quarters of 2019 EBITDA 
and uh, the first two quarters of 2020 EBITDA. They haven't filed the amendment, but they gave a description. So um, it looks like the waiver of the next two quarters maintenance covenant is, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other companies kind of announced that. Live Nation seems to be taking it to another level whereby even once the maintenance covenant resumes being tested, uh, what is going into the EBITDA calculation? It seems like it's going to be looking back more than the last 12 months and kind of picking two, you know, I, I assume, you know, good quarters of EBITDA and using those with two, you know, two quarters of 2020 EBITDA to come up with LTM EBITDA for maintenance purposes. Oh, that is very interesting. And that's rather a neat way of doing it, isn't it? You sort of just look back to see what your EBITDA levels were in assuming there were no crisis um, and you just work with that. Yeah, you would have thought maybe they would have used, let's say, the the last two four quarter EBITDA numbers, you know, the average of that. But yeah, no, it looks like they're just using um, pre, pre-crisis EBITDA figures, assuming you know, they would have, they, you know, assuming obviously no growth, but assuming obviously no crisis either. So exactly. it, it, it's essentially putting the company back to where it was last year um, and using those numbers. Exactly. Well, on that note, I'm sure that they're not the only people who are wishing the crisis away. I'm sure there are many other people who would have the same wish. Um, so on, the, on that note, I think that's, that's a good note to close this podcast. And, you know, we will uh, monitor all the new issues that come out on both sides of the pond and keep um, our subscribers and our listeners updated on the big and key covenant trends that we see um, in high yield and leverage loans. Yep, definitely. Great. Thank you so much, Peter. All right. Take it easy, Shwara. You too. Bye. Bye.